Have you ever been so deeply touched by an idea that you had no choice but to leave a comfortable existence behind and pursue it like nothing else mattered. Well, that's exactly what's happened to today's guest. And whilst it's still early days, he's on a mission to ensure that people who are sleeping rough get a comfortable, safe night's sleep. Before we get stuck into episode 420 of the award-winning small business big marketing show, The Marketing Gold is made possible thanks to American Express. Now, it's made exclusively possible because for this and the next three weeks, Amex has kindly again taken all advertising spots. Check out their suite of business cards that really do meet the financial needs of small business owners just like you. Plus, Amex help in getting your business expenses to reward you, just like past guest Chris Gray does. He flies somewhere exotic about 15 times a year at the pointy end of the plane for free, excluding the odd airline tax. Simply Google Amex business to find out more, then try and wipe the smile right off your face. Yeah, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead, now here's your host, Mr. Tim Bowie. And welcome back to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, but you, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Big show today. Corporate cubicle escapee Simon Rowe shares why he left a cushy corporate job to start Sleep Bus, a not-for-profit laser-focused on giving homeless people a safe night's sleep. Another motivated listener shares a marketing strategy that's working for them, and in return, I give them a prize or three. And as of this episode, each week, you and I are going to go back in time to when advertising jingles rocked. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Got some great guests joining us in the coming weeks. We catch up with Carolyn Creswell, the founder of Carmen's Muesli, one of Australia's most well-known muesli brands, one which she started when she was just 18 years old. That's a great story. Speaking of great stories, Sean Dollinger, who's created the world's largest online marketplace for cannabis products, joins us as well. His business has been referred to in the media as the Amazon of pot. But right now, let's meet a fellow with a very big heart and a very big challenge ahead of him. Three years ago, Simon Rowe left his cushy corporate job in a mahogany-clad corner office you know the one, to start Sleep Bus, a charity that provides fully decked out buses to provide safe, temporary accommodation to those sleeping rough on the streets. Today, he has one fully operational sleep bus in Melbourne and a vision to build 319 sleep buses, providing over 2 million safe sleeps per year all over Australia. I think we need more Simons in this world. In this extremely candid interview, Simon shares the moment he decided to escape the corporate cubicle and start Sleep Bus, 
how a traumatic life event at the age of 19 laid the foundation for what he does, why he chose to be homeless himself in order to test this concept, how he's got Sleep Bus to market in the first place, and how he's getting Sleep Bus known in a pretty crowded marketplace of 600,000 Australian charities. Do we need another one? We'll find out. And we cover plenty more. I started off by asking Simon what he was doing prior to launching Sleep Bus. Prior to this, I was a in the corporate world, so I'd um, I'd had a business career. Yeah, it was a bit it was a bit like that. I, although I enjoyed it, I, I had um, a few businesses in my time, and then moved over into sort of consulting, I suppose, and helping other business people with their businesses and then it sort of grew from there and so I used to go in sort of um, as an operations specialist sort of help people restructure the business and you're see what's a, wrong. A bit of a bit of a Mr Fixit I hear. A bit of a Fixit guy yeah it sort of became that sort of thing um, I just enjoyed digging into finding out what was wrong and I asked questions and people like to tell me things as well so which is good so you can get to the bottom of things really easily. Were, and were you were you jack of your corporate life? Um, no, not at all. No, having were, a ball. I was, I was going all right. Yeah, yeah, it's quite successful. It wasn't. Uh, there wasn't any reason for me to get out of it. I had the lovely corner office with the, 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 the glass and the view nice. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so things earning were, were good. a good quid. Yeah, yeah, great job. Not looking around. No, not at not all. Not looking at starting a charity. Absolutely not, 100% not. It, um, even when I l- was looking into things, it was, don't start a charity. You know, there's too many already. Um, the last thing we need is another one. And, and that sort of came out of my research as well when I was... Because when I was in the operations sort of game, part of my thing was sometimes I'd go undercover uh, in a company and as, a, as an operations manager or just a BDM on the ground or something like that and go and speak to franchisees, speak to the C-suite guys, all that sort of stuff, and just sort of find out what was going on and just get everybody's side of it and then formulate a strategy from there mm-hmm. and then I'd present that strategy to the to the top people and then they'd say yay and nay and then we'd implement right. it and that sort of thing. So I went along with the same mindset with the charity. I was originally going to help some other charity that was already doing something right. in the space. So that you had a my bit of money, a mi- my my experience, my my skill set. You, you had a bit of a mindset around maybe getting involved, a bit of a social conscience, but maybe not your own charity. Uh, yeah, social right. conscience, but but only because I bumped into a guy that was homeless on the street okay, one day. Well, yeah. Okay. So tell us the story. How did Sleep yeah, Bus come so to be? So it was. Uh, Carlisle Street, which is a busy sort of trendy coffee street in, in St Kilda in Melbourne, and I was just heading to the Coles and uh, to get some groceries on a Saturday, and it was a pretty gloomy day, but then there was a guy um, curled up in a bright white doona in the sort of doorway of a Bank of Melbourne, new branch that had just opened, and people were just stepping over him because it's sort of half out on the footpath, half in the doorway, and it was a it just was one of those scenes, I don't know, I, I always say, you know, we've all walked past homeless people, we've all seen them, we've all walked past and for whatever reason, this guy, this day, um, I stopped and I had a chat to him and I just remember him sitting up. I just said, you know, how you going, mate? I'm going to Coles. Can I get you anything? And just as I was talking to him, I just remember him just... He was just he was just a tired guy. Like, he just looked so tired, his eyes. And, look, I, I don't even think he would have been much past sort of early 30s, that sort of thing, um, but he looked... You could just tell that he'd had a hard time um, and um, didn't look like he was on anything or anything like that. He just looked tired and, and I describe it tired to his core. Um, yeah, so I ended up going to Coles. I got him some stuff. I 
bananas and Coke and whatever else he asked for, some chocolate, I think it was, and I gave him 20 bucks. And, and then I went home and my kids were home and I sort of said, uh, I just explained this guy, you know, wow, this couldn't believe how tired this guy was. And, uh, and I started crying and I don't cry. I'm, I'm generally a crier. But I started getting tears in my eyes and my, my boys were sort of like, oh, you, you, know, you should do something about that, Dad. And, and that was the, How old are your boys? Uh, they're 18 now, so they would have been sort of... Uh, 14, uh, 15, Mid-teens, 16, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so when your kids say, you know, do something about it. Why did they say that? Um, maybe because they thought I could, which I'd like to think. Uh, but also I think they were aware of the world and, and I think the fact that I was emotional about it as well, not that they had not seen their dad cry, but it was just one of those experiences where I I think I must have been quite passionate about it at the time. And, and not that I thought of it at the time, and, and I remember people asking me, uh, in, in later times in, in speaking with people about, you know, why do you think you started crying? And I never really had an answer about why did I get the that, tears. That seems an obvious question to me. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually a bit of a crier, unlike you, right. Mr Tough Guy. But <laughs> Oh, no, no. Isn't, isn't that an obvious question? Um, it touched yeah. you. Yeah, it did. It did touch did me. Did you and, see any of... But I think people were trying to dig, you know, what's the deeper thing here and that sort of stuff. And Did you see any of this fellow in you? Yeah, oh, look, I, and, and so that's where it sort of led. I When I sat back and thought about it, I'd sort of forgotten that when I was 19, I was homeless for four months and I'd, I had a job and my car engine blew up, drove it too hard as an 18, 19-year-old and, uh, and the engine went, but I needed the car to get to the, get to the job. This is in uh, Adelaide. And so I spent my rent money to fix the car. And then I got evicted. So, uh, and I, but I didn't panic. I mean, I was 19. Where, I was fairly where were cocky. Oh, I don't really sort of have those. So, right. yeah, so I don't have a close family network okay. or anything like that. So it was just sort of me and Adelaide. I'd moved to Adelaide from country Victoria to play football. And that's how I sort of ended up in the city. And, um, and so, yeah, so I found myself living in that car that I fixed. Uh, Tell me if I'm pushing, go, I, you right. know, we didn't talk about triggers and safe words no. before we started the interview. <laughs> but, but I am interested because well, I, tell, well, I tell you why I'm interested. A, I think you've done something amazing. You're doing something amazing. B, I think many people have had the thought of going and helping on a macro scale others but most don't. You have, so I'm just sure. trying to trying to figure out what that is. So yeah. you, you, you're home. You've been homeless. You clearly, clearly must have seen. You, you didn't recognise it at the time, but this guy no. that could have been you. So that's what I think about now, and I think that's where the spine of Sleep Bus sits, and and what I'm trying to do with Sleep Bus is, I think about 19 year old Simon, and had I not had that car, had I not had that job. Um, what might have happened to me? So I, I was... And, and because I had the job and I had the car, I had mates, um, and I probably could have pitched in and lived in with my mates at their parents' house or something like that at the time, but probably too proud and thought and didn't think of it at the time that it was that big a deal. I just thought, oh, I'll sleep in my car. I used to... My mate used to drive past in the morning and toot his horn on his way to work, and I'd wake up, go to the local caravan park, jump over the back fence, have a shower, and go to work. I just didn't think of any of it. Saved up my rent and bond to get into a house again four, four months later, and that was it. But I never... From that moment on, though, it was like not, not finding myself in that situation again. Unfortunately, too many people... Between that... A 19-year-old Simon experiencing four months of homelessness and you starting sleep bus, can you reflect on times when maybe you were covering up an itch to get out of corporate and maybe do something at a more social level, at a social conscious level? It's deep, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Oh, look, I I think... I wonder why I didn't... I, I think I thought more about myself 
really, as far as, and like we all do, we want to make sure that we've got everything for our kids and we don't want to find our kids in that situation. So I was a dad first and foremost. Um, and I'd done smaller things over that sort of 20-year period from then in the business world and that sort of stuff where I'd helped others and I'd or I'd taken in sort of um, giving kids their first shot at a job or something in a business that I might have had, just little things like that, but not consciously sort of reaching out to do that sort of stuff. But I think it... I was only thinking about it the other day and, and I was thinking that I think it just time and place. It was just that time where... And I also think that um, that the timing um, where I was uh, in my own personal sort of journey and, you know, I'd had a successful career and, you know, th- I'd been lucky and I've had a home right. and all those sorts of things. So everything was good. Timing was right. And, and particularly the skill set that I've gained over the years as well. So I'd had that experience with being homelessness. But then I've, you know, I've battled in small business. I've worked for big business. I've gone into the corporate stuff and, and battled there and learnt how to operate things and grow things and start things. So I think my skill set lent itself to fixing, like you said before, Your kids have said, righto, Dad, time to do something, do it. Tell me about the period of, like, hearing that from your teenage sons and doing something. And what did you do? Yeah, so that was was, um, turn on the business brain, I think. That was the, um, okay, go with what you you know, use your skill set, use this... um, uh, skill that you've built over the last sort of 20 years. So that was where I went into research. So I researched for 12 months. So I went into, okay, if I'm going to help somebody, I want to have an impact. There too many people sort of, you know, I'll give my $50 over there and that's it. Or I'll give my two grand. That's it. Where did it go? Have no idea. Uh, and that's it. And I sort of thought, okay, well, if I'm going to have an impact, um, where could I most do that? And, and where does that impact need to be? So I, uh, as I do in the corporate world, I went undercover as a homeless person a few times and stayed in some shelters to see what shelters were like. Um, and how, do, how do you do that? <laughs> you put on your dirtiest, grubbiest clothes as the stereotypical homeless person people think they are um, and uh, lined up like everybody else. And and, um, wow. and and I stayed in one place where it was just mattresses on a, on a floor in a hall type thing and... That was the catalyst for Sleep Bus. So I, I was allocated a mattress along with everybody else, a male-only sort of uh, place, and laid down. And there's obviously all kinds of people in all different types of situations and states, I suppose. Um, and it was just scary. Like, I was I was scared the whole night, and I didn't sleep the whole night. There was a bloke next to me who'd done it before, clearly, because as soon as his head hit the pillow, he was asleep and snoring. But then 30 minutes into that, people were going through his bags, and, and they were taking the shoes off his feet. And I was Jeez. like, okay, safe sleeps. Like, how do I, how do, I do safe sleeps? Like, how, how do you... That was your moment, wasn't that it? That was my thing. And, and, and then when I looked into these shelters, bricks and mortar shelters and that sort of stuff, they are, like, no landlord wants them in their building. You can't afford to buy one, obviously, where you need to be. Um, the, the cost to set one up and run it is just massive. So, um, so I had to sort of put my thinking cap on about, okay, so how do you provide safe sleeps cheaply? And then if you work that out, you've got to work out the marketing strategy for that. How do you then get people involved? We'll come to that. Yeah. So just going back, you, uh, so really, uh, dare I use the, a business term, but you got proof of concept on that night on a mattress on the floor in a very unsafe space. Um, well, proof of where the solution needed proof, to, to uh, come, yeah. yeah. You yeah. Safe sleeping was the thing, not just yeah. sleeping, safe sleeping. Yeah, so it was a, a door, somewhere wow. where you could Something close the door. simple. <laughs> well, you think if you have a curtain on your front door of your house, 
No. You're not going to sleep very well. No, and that's a lot of these places will have a curtain or nothing. Or, or you, you, yeah. you spent, you said two, you said three or four nights in homeless shelters. What what other research did you do? Are you a real quantif, quantif, yeah, quantif, quantif guy so, or a, but so a cold I, guy? I was I was researched um, other charities. So I looked at not just in the homeless sector, but also who's doing what, who's doing what well, how are they doing it from a marketing business, a solution based sort of uh, theory. I, I spoke to some of the guys from Movember and looked at how they grew theirs and the mistakes they made early on and they were telling me things that, you know, went wrong in the early days and what they had to change and, and a lot of that was where the money went. To speak to and, the Orange Sky Laundry guys? Yeah, so... Um, Past guests of this show? Yeah, twice. yeah. So, uh, so we, we've, we did a few emails uh, back and forth and they wanted to come and have a look at Sleep Bus and offered to, you know, do some laundry and that sort of stuff for the bus and that sort of thing. So it was... But that was, that was a unique... Um, experience, I suppose, because other organisations that I'd spoken to perhaps weren't as friendly. And that threw me, coming from the corporate world into this sort of new Didn't want to sector share. that I'd never... It, well, because I think because there's 600-odd thousand yes, charities and yes. they're all going for the same money. So, so to that point, all very well to go, you've seen this homeless fellow in Carlisle Street, you've gone and identified the problem and it's very clear to you that safe sleep is what it's all about. Ticking those boxes, but as as you say, 600,000 charities in Australia, I think there's 55,000 registered not-for-profits. So either way, big numbers. Sleep Bus is. We're one of those 55. You know, I look at businesses, you know, I look at a cafe when it opens and go, really? Does that street need another cafe? Yeah. Likewise, or so, barbers at the moment. There's a lot of barbers. Big, lot of barbers and I see you've had a bit of work done <laughs> up top there. So, so, so then, how do you cross that one where you go? Yeah, well, you know, charity's all about getting funding, volunteers um, from the public, from corporate sector, from government. You're yep. going to be another one. Sure, Sleep Bus has found maybe a gap that isn't being met. But what made you think? You'd nail that. Yeah, so part of the, the research sort of showed that you're established maybe those 55,000, but out of that, you know, maybe 5,000 of the, the top sort of lot that are, that are bringing in the money and, and doing it well and have been doing it for a long time, so they're being established. They, it tends to be the research shows that they, their donations come from your 20 to 65-year-old-plus woman hmm. and they donate and that's where all the money comes from. And so I thought, okay, well, two things. One was, okay, well, that market's saturated in a business sort of thinking, um, but also I don't want to... I don't want to step on people's toes if that's where they're getting their money from. There's, there's plenty of other groups out there and organisations and, and, and sectors that I can perhaps draw on to, to find engagement with. And part of that was I looked at um, high school kids and university kids. They're looking for something to engage with. They're desperately trying to find organisations to engage with because they want to change their world that, they, that they're seeing. Sure Millennials. Yeah, that's it. And so I looked at, okay, so, and obviously I had high school age children, so I sort of used them as a bit of a target audience as well. And so I thought if I could make a cool charity, how do I make a cool charity that these guys want to get involved with? And then how do I grab... And then extension of that, how do I get the young professionals on board who are then one day going to be the bosses of corporates and and then get those corporates on board as well? So I didn't want to just go after that same market that everybody else did. So then I had to structure this charity before I even begun. How would that look? How would that operate? Um, Right down to sort of... um, target markets, but also where, where, where would our money come from? Where, how would we run this organisation? And so I broke it up into three sort of groups. So we would 
obviously have the donations from from um, from people that wanted to support Sleep Bus, and that would be one part of our revenue stream, if you like. The other part would be your um, your charitable foundations um, and your corporate, so corporate sponsorship or, or some sort of support in that way, and then government funding uh, along with our own. Um, we need a social enterprise to be able to make our own money. Yep. To the point, though, that I wanted to bring that back, that we produced two-thirds of our own money and then the rest was either from government or corporates because I didn't want to rely. I found too many charities rely on the handout either from donations or government and then when governments change or things change, economies change, um, they lose the funding, yep. everybody's out of a job, we can't run that program anymore and I just I didn't, I don't want to be in that space. So you've done all your planning, you've yep. figured out this is a good idea, you've got your marketing strategy in place, you know, you've got an idea Registered of where... the charity before re- I started, yep. all that sort of stuff. You were still in corporate at this stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Doing and, enough. And then I launched, I, and then it was that proof of concept was launch the idea and see if other than me and my network thought it was a good idea. So I put it on GoFundMe to sort of see if I could raise money, $20,000 for a bus. And uh, we raised uh, over a hundred grand in like four weeks. Wow. And I went global. I got phone calls from all over the world, like how do we get a sleep bus in the US or England or Germany or all those sorts of places. And um, I went, whoa, okay. And that's kind of when the corporate job sort of started taking a back seat. And, well, it gave you a um, bit of space, didn't it? You could, you could kind of... Well, I had to. It, yeah, was, yeah. It, was, it got to the stage where it was, you're gonna, either going to have a crack at this sleep bus thing yeah. or you're just going to forget it and go back to the corporate yeah. world. And I thought, no, nah, I'll, I'll have a crack. And so I quit and went for it. I bumped into a friend at Southland Shopping Centre today and she said, what right. are you doing tonight? And I said, I'm, I'm interviewing you. And she said, I I donated money to that. Go oh, for that. Getting around. Getting yeah. around. <laughs> so, okay, um, what do you do then? You got you got the money, you leave corporate. Tell me about the moment you walked into the boss's office. Was he up to, did he know or she, did she it was know actually, what you were uh, It was actually review time uh, and uh, I was sitting down for review and I said, look, don't don't bother. Don't bother. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a day, and here's, here's what I'm doing, and that sort of stuff, and quite supportive. And hard to um, argue. Yeah, look, difficult to sort of say, you know, yeah, good riddance kind of thing. You would. Yeah. It wasn't like I was uh, going to the competition or anything. I was going to follow a passion and thought. And I, and I kind of like I speak to school kids. I go to schools and university and things like that, and speak all the time in conferences. And and I sort of say, they say, why did you do it? And I sort of, oh, I'm having a crack because I. I think I can. And I think if you think you can do something, have a go. I mean, um, so that was sort of where it was and I was probably cocky enough to think that I, <laughs> I could do something so I thought I'd have a try. But you, um, How do you – what do you do? Then you go, okay, I've got some dough. I've yep. got a little bit of a runway as the startup community talk yep. about. Um, you go and buy a bus and you dig yeah, it so out it was, there. So it was proof of – that was the proof of concept then. So I'd, proof of concept for idea was established all around the world. We got news and all sorts of stuff. And then um, then it was, okay, so then you got to build this thing and show people what the idea really is. And, and part of that research was – that people people have stopped giving to charity because they never believe the money goes where they say it's going to go. It goes to overheads and all that sort of stuff. And overheads are an important part of a charity. Yeah. Can't run them without that sort of stuff, but people don't like that. No, that's fine. Um, and so part of that was, okay, put 100% of the public donations go directly to a bus and you can see how that's built and that sort of thing. And, and um, so on the on our first prototype bus, everybody's name that donated to that bus is on the back of the bus all printed out so you can go and see your bus. And so it was buy a bus uh, and then fit it out and, and then test it 
see if it's going to do what you thought it was going to do. And although I had a, a good design and I'd done a lot of research and that sort of stuff until you actually test something. No doubt. Uh, and, I, and I couldn't – and that was the first stage, proof of concept, because a lot of people were – because this had never done, been done anywhere in the world like this before. So – Which is um, amazing really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's one of those things where is this done anywhere? And when you go and speak to council or governments, they sort of sort of, oh, I don't know about this one. We've never heard of this before. This is an odd way of doing things. And, and I'm just – and my theory was, was it's cheap. Uh, it's mobile. We can go where people need us. It's adaptable as far as if that uh, group of homeless people move on from that area or they find themselves into housing and that sort of thing, um, we can we can move the bus somewhere else and we can grow um, where we, we need to. We are chatting with Simon Rowe. He is the founder of Sleep Bus. So... As a, what do you call your <clears throat> clients, guests? Guests. Uh, get, what, what, just as a guest, treat me as a guest, what would the experience be uh, if I was to head into a sleep bus tonight? Yeah. So part of that was it was about not having any any restrictions. A lot of um, shelters and that will have sh- restrictions on who can use it because they're limited space and you've got to give it to those that you've got to have a list basically because you've got to be able to have some reason to turn people away. And I found that counterintuitive to do that. Um, and so my idea was we'll have one rule, which is quiet enjoyment. So it doesn't matter if you're on drugs or drunk or anything uh, or perfectly well and healthy, just in a bad spot for the moment. Um, as long as you can hold it together and stay quiet, enjoy your bed for the night, um, watch some TV because there's TVs in the sleep pods as well. well just, um, just describe those. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you come into the bus. Into the bus uh, so in the front of the bus, uh, so there's a caretaker on the bus, so security type thing. I call it a caretaker because it's not a, it's not a security guard. Not a bouncer. But, it, but it's not a social worker either. It's just somebody that's there to make sure everybody enjoys a quiet night's sleep and, and we'll just protect you, mm-hmm. you know? um, And so that person's at the front of the bus all night um, and then at the front of the bus also when you step up to go down the aisle of a bus, if you like, um, is uh, two toilets. So part of that was um, security as well. I didn't want people to have to leave the bus to go yes. and find a toilet. Um, let's keep them safe, put them on the, the front of the bus where the security person is. If anything was to happen with anybody, any interactions, it would happen around the toilet. So I didn't want them at the back of the bus. I wanted them up the front to make it safe. Makes sense. Um, and then where the chairs in a bus would normally be, they're all sleep pods. So um, they're about, uh, they fit a person about six foot two, six foot three. So they're about that long. So it's a full single bed size um, and it has a, a, a roller door so you can lock your door and feel safe. It's got lights, air conditioning, an intercom to the caretaker um, and it has a USB charger if you've got a phone and it's got a free-to-air digital colour TV on the wall, just a small one, but the and people sort of saying TVs, you know, it's a bit of overkill. Um, Why? In, in a bu- but well, I think that's. <laughs> but people are weird when you talk about this sort of thing, and or even if you show them the what, bus. What and- a, a, someone sleeping rough, rough is non-deserving of a bit of TV, are they? Show me those people. Yes. How dare you? But then also people come from the perspective of I sleep in my queen size bed with my ensuite. Geez, these sleep pods are a bit small, aren't they? Right. Well, and I always you, you my my go to line is it's better than sleeping on a park bench. Correct. <laughs> so, Correct. Uh, uh, are these pods too high? Three, three high. Three high. Yeah. So it is a comfy coffin. It's yeah. like it's not yeah. it's not massive, but it. I built. A, I'm a fairly big bloke, so I'm a hundred odd kilos, six foot, um, and I made sure that it was something. It's part of the design as well, and part of the reason for Sleep Bus was that it was supposed to be a. This is a temporary measure. You need to find your steps out of homelessness. You need to figure out what it is. But I'll keep you safe and and give you a good place to sleep until you do. So the pods are designed to be comfortable enough 
So you will get a good mm-hmm. night's sleep, but in the morning you want to get out. You want to get out. Because I don't so, want you so, staying because so, we roll away again. So where do you go? Like, where, where, where do you yes. where do you, where do you choose to go to find the people for the night to sleep? And, it's, it's not difficult. But and yeah. where do you park? No, yeah. I guess it's not. And where do you park for the so, night? So, I mean, there was a, a situation where um, we were uh, looking at Port Melbourne, uh, St Kilda, because that's where I sort of originally had the idea, I suppose. Um, and then I met with a, a gentleman that worked uh, in child services and that sort of thing, and and uh, he said, oh, did you, did you know about a group? of uh, people that sleep under a bridge in Docklands and uh, there's there's kids and mums and men and all sorts of stuff and they're, they're sleeping under a bridge in a foot of water on milk crates so that they stay out of the water. And I just, well, I've got a bus with 22 beds in it. We can we can help people out. So part of the, the one of the difficult parts was trying to get councils to give you permission to park because it's new it's mm-hmm. a risk for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with this thing, you know. How do we put our name to that sort of thing? And I managed to speak to some uh, Uber executives in Sydney once at a conference and they just said, look, you just our model is just go for it and beg for forgiveness kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but no, look, we, 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 um, the idea is to park in a, in, a, in a central location where we need to be, so CBD, that sort of thing. Um, so and it's generally CBD, comes, Yeah, yeah. At this stage, because as we spread, I mean, there's need for buses in Ballarat here in Victoria, in Bendigo, Pakenham, uh, Rosebud, there's a, there's a large community. And, and how, so, does, uh, how do you know, like, do you just... Once it's full, it's full. Or do you have a loud speaker going sleep? No, you know, so I mean, do? so it's. I mean, it's funny. It, it, the homeless community is smaller than what you think, and they all right. know each other, and they all know what's going on on the street and that sort of thing. So we park in the same spot every night. So the idea of sleep bus is that temporary thing, so we can roll in at eight o'clock at night. And the and part of that was part of the marketing strategy because a lot of people are like I don't want a homeless shelter in my area or I don't want this in my street, or I don't want this next to my building. Do or... not get me started on this when I I know, it's annoying, but that's, well, but that's the thing I had to overcome. Orange Sky Laundry, when I did a bit of work with them, parked out the front of a very, one of those big, fancy brands, fashion brands in Collins Street. Yeah. And, you know, the security guard came out and said, you know, it came out and said, you can't park here. Well, you can, yeah. and we will. I mean, I'm torn people... as well, though, because I come from a business background, so I can I, I, I can sympathise with that side, but I can also sympathise. Well, I can I can <laughs> sympathise at a theoretical, strate- strategic yeah. level, yeah. but apply a little bit of human humanity to your thinking and Indeed. like yeah. pull your head in if you can't <clears throat> can't work it out. So the idea with Sleep Bus is to park in the same spot each night, uh-huh. so you know where to come to, um, and then if that becomes a spot where we're just not filling the bus, and there's a bigger group, and I don't know. Carlton Gardens or somewhere like that, wherever it might be, then we can we can move. We can we can move. Wrap, the... wrap some number. Where's Sleep Bus out of the moment? How many buses you got? How many volunteers yep. you got? Tell, so, tell us as much as you, you know. Can. Sleep Bus is still quite new. People think we're bigger and older than what we actually are. And I don't... great marketing. We'll come to that. Yeah, sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's a bad thing. Yes. So, um, so I've literally got one uh, prototype operational bus, and that was the proof of concept. And and part of my discussions, I managed to get in with some large consulting groups to have a chat about my strategy and what I need to do. One of their key things was you only get a chance to do this right once. So you've got to make sure that it's well tested, that it's, you know, that it, it works beautifully and, and it's going to it's going to operate as, as as it says on the tin kind of thing. And so the next stage now is we've got one uh, and then the next stage is to build another two to show that we can operate a multi-site operation, mm-hmm. you know, in, in three different areas. Really cool. I, want to, I want to talk about marketing. I have one interesting question before I do that. Cool. But you, you have done very well because I look at your – I thought you had more than one bus. I knew you didn't have 10 or 20. Yeah. But your marketing, just even at, your, at a website level, it just looks 
professional. It looks, you know, as a corporate person looking at that, going maybe we could throw a few dollars at it. It's very trustworthy. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got your you've got your story there. You've got pictures of the bus. I mean, it's just very well laid out. So therefore, you think Thanks. you're bigger than <laughs> you are, and you say that could be a problem because therefore people go, oh, it looks like well, these guys are sorted. We'll yeah. go and find another charity that doesn't look as sorted. So I can you're sort of because well, there's organisations that support grassroots charities. Yes, smaller charities that are just getting off the ground, or they're just a smaller charity. I'm actually one of those, but unfortunately, we, we probably don't look at. So, Isn't that yeah. interesting? And, yeah. and the other part of that is you're out there. I mean, we had you on the Steve. Price show the other night, you're out there, you're doing the media, you're willing, you're a good speaker, you're, you're speaking at, at conferences or wherever. So, yeah, it's that fine line between looking like you're desperate and looking like you've got your, your shit together. Yeah. Um, tell me, uh, before we talk marketing, uh, you must have, I mean, and I, I have to tread lightly here, but I think we've got a sense of humour as well, and I'm sure homeless people do, you must have sure. some very funny stories. Uh, sleepwalkers, um, what I'm particularly, <laughs> snorers, what I'm particularly interested in, is there any sleep bus babies just yet? Oh, so they're individual sleep pods. Uh, so there's there's none of that going on. Um, we do have pet pods uh, well, they underneath the bus as well. So they might have met on sleep bus. There might be puppies because the... we have pet pods underneath the bus because <laughs> a lot of homeless have companion animals. Right. And so um, and, and a geeky thing with that is we have an intercom between the owner in their sleep pod and the pet down underneath <laughs> the bus, and people laugh at that. And but then when I do when I speak about that at conferences, all the pet people just go, Oh, oh isn't that Charlie? Lovely? Well, and they care you more awake? about it. Are you awake? Puppy. Yeah, well, they care more about the pets, the people when I speak at conferences, than they do about the homeless, which is, you know, <laughs> well. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, so the, the oh, look, we've only really had part of the, the strategy. Was, so I spoke to Victoria Police and, and Ambulance and Fire Brigade and different uh, organisations and councils, that sort of stuff, before I sort of, I wanted to keep them in the loop about what I was doing and get advice. And, and obviously police are very risk-adverse sort of organisations, so they were worried about safety, and so safety was a big thing. And really the only time anything's ever gone wrong is is just someone felt a bit claustrophobic. Understandably. And that's it. It's that's not a prison. It. You can leave. That's it's not you know, it's not gonna be for everybody. And that was the thing, you know, people and sort of said, What if what if they don't like it? I'm just one solution. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and at the end of the day, Sleep Bus was the part of my real thing was that affordable housing, which everybody talks about, it's this buzz thing, but nothing ever seems to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is definitely the way to go, and it's it's proved in other countries, Canada and places like that, where they've just built their houses and put people in it and it's solved the issues and that sort of thing. But I looked at it from a business point of view that, yeah, building houses is definitely a low go, but it takes a long time. Yeah. Um, so we need to get them off the street first. So I'm looking at the bus. foundation. So, so oh, I can build a bus in six weeks if I wow. need to. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's potentially a, a 24-hour thing too. It doesn't have to be a nighttime thing, does it? No. It's funny. I had a. I was at a... Uh, entrepreneurs group conference uh, a few weeks ago and, and that was one of the questions oh could you not operate it during the day as well and totally. let people sleep in it during the day and and look I haven't because I use the bus as a marketing tool as well during the day so I take it to schools and universities and corporates and that sort of stuff show them the bus do the talk uh, that's sort of rattle my tin whatever I got to do sure. um, and which is a powerful thing as well um, but also but I think part of it was um, it's the same reason why originally on the TVs in my original design was the TVs were going to shut off, the power was going to shut off at midnight because this is sleep bus, yes. not stay up and watch and TV, watch TV up all night bus, yes. But then who am, I to, who am I to say you can't stay up and watch TV? Mm. Like mm. you're on the street, it's bad enough yeah, yeah. without some guy coming in going, you can't watch TV. But also we, we think that, um, you know, people sleep at the same hours that we do. 
but they don't. Mm. And so at this stage I've done it just at night because that's the cycle I'd like to get people into because your the help you can get is during the day. During the day. Yeah. Well, it's a tricky it's a tricky ha- How has having sleep bus changed you? Yeah, good and bad. Um, it's, it's a lot of work and it's a, it's not that I didn't think it was going to be hard, but business is easier. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one Why? of those things. Oh, I think with business, um, when you've got a, a product or a service to sell, it's, um, you, you can live and breathe and die on that product or service. You've that got sort that? of thing. Yeah, I have, but then you're also, um, asking for money without necessarily a physical return to the person other than makes your heart feel good, which is still a good commodity and it's a good good thing to have. But we're a consumer-driven society, so without getting everything that's returned. So part of it is, yes, you get a lot of one-time donations. So if I get some media, um, we get a push in donations. People hear about it, they go, oh, my God, how good's this guy? How good's that idea and mm-hmm. I love that and I'm going to throw my 50 bucks at it and that's going to be great and that'll do two safe sleeps and thanks for coming sort of thing. It's getting the ongoing consistency sort of right. thing. Because I'm at startup stage, I still need to have my hand out. I've still got to ask for the money Let, until I, I, I can... I, I want to finish on that. I do want to get... How has it changed you? Uh, oh, it changed me. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, for me... Are you avoiding it, that question, No, no it's not. No, it's a, it's a good question it's, and it's one of those things where I look at the corporate world now and... I'd have a very hard time going back. If Sleep Bus failed and didn't work, I'd just have to go back into business for myself. I think I don't think I could go back into the corporate world where, I don't know, I feel a little bit hollow about the whole thing. Um, I helped a lot of corporates, a lot of franchisees, a lot of franchisors in my time, and it's just a cycle. It goes around. You hear a lot of stuff about franchisees or franchising at the moment, um, the good and the bad, and and I was a part of that. And a lot of it just comes around in cycles, and so I feel a little bit hollow about just going back to a paid job. Hmm. So from a fundraising point of view, you've got a number of things on the website. It's $27.50 to donate. Anyone listening can go to sleepbus.org and donate their $27.50. That gets someone who's sleeping rough a good night, a good safe night's sleep. Indeed. You ask people to pledge their birthday, so don't give me yeah. presents, donate to Sleepbus. I like that. You're asking people to do crazy or creative things uh, to raise yeah, money. start a campaign and you raise the money for me, help me out sort of thing, um, and you've got a network that I don't know. Yep. So if you start something and do something and it can be anything. So let's finish with the corporate thing because I noticed on your – we're both from that part of life. We've both done it and I've worked at a charity. You've got one. Um, You've got a lot of logos on your website uh, from I'm guessing you've just put some – maybe a corporate's given you 100 bucks for something or another one's given you some strategic advice. Um, Have you got any – have you got a foundational corporate partner? Okay. And I'm thinking, what if 40 Winks, <laughs> I'm thinking Sofitel. Yeah, I'm hotels thinking, would I'm be. Hotels, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking at hotels. Bed, yeah. bed retailers. I mean, yeah. surely. Yeah, surely. it's one of those. And again, it comes back to that proof of concept. Um, I, I think a lot of, like even back in the early days when I was talking about the idea before I put it on GoFundMe, I spoke to my corporate network. So I said, what do you, I've got this idea. What do you think? That sort of stuff. Have you got a bus yet? No, okay, I'll get a bus, come back and talk to us. So it was kind of like, okay, so I'll get a bus and then it's another thing, it's another thing. So it's proof of concept. Can, so can, pr- I, can I just add to that? Dare I give you marking advice because yeah, you, no. you're nailing it. But um, <laughs> I, I, if um, you can, and I don't know how you find them, but you need to find someone in corporate 
that has a passion. That has a passion that has potentially been homeless before. That's going to be hard to identify. Who's going to own up to that? Yeah. But yeah. Um, that's where the magic. I mean, I even find with the sponsorship of this this podcast, if I find someone in an organisation that loves podcasting, that has a passion for small business, and is a listener of this show, and it's happened on numerous occasions, then I'm. It's all good. We're in. It's a, a. A. It's not a. I don't have to do the sell. And B. It makes for a really, really solid partnership because great segue into marketing. What's that? Great segue yeah. into marketing. Yeah. Only because one of the things I found in all the research I did, the planning. I, you know, I nutted out a strategy from one bus to three hundred because that's how many it would take around the country to get everybody off the street in this country. Right? I would have thought more, but yeah. So it's. So it was a case of I tried to make this cool brand that Mm -hmm. that young people would get involved with, engage with, and look at a bus and go, man, that is cool. Like, I want to be a part of that. I want to come and volunteer. I want to donate my money. I want to raise funds. I want to throw a party. I want to do all this sort of stuff. The one thing I didn't count on, particularly when it comes to corporates, is homelessness isn't sexy. It's not a sexy charity. And that hurt, and I didn't see it. And So that's one of the things where you've... And and then well, when I, you I, lay I, on, can I just challenge oh, this? This is the world, though. Can this I? Is, cha- yeah. what, what about the? What's the thing happening at the MCG and the all these sporting grounds? Sleep around out there? at the G. Sleep out at the G. Yep. What's that for? So that's for the Selvos, I think. For Salvation. Yeah, it is. That's that's a pretty cool event. They it get is. Thousands and thousands of people sleeping on sporting pitches around the country. The CEO sleep out. Yep. I would challenge you on that. That self talk that homelessness isn't cool. Yeah. Have you done it? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay. Well, I know many who have. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a great networking opportunity. So it's a good networking opportunity. And the thing, the only feedback that I've had, and, and again, it comes back to we've got to prove ourselves. We're still new. We've got to show that it works and that sort of stuff, get more media, um, because I think that's when the snowball will start to happen. I think media, it's still media, very media early. will be key. Yeah, it will be key. And, and part of that is is that um, it then also, like we won the Telstra Business Award um, for the Victorian Charity of the Year last year, and that was great because being such a new charity, it gave Amazing. you some credibility. You know, they've been vetted. This yes. isn't just some tin bot bloke we don't know who's got this dinky bus. It's not like that. We're actually so yeah. just being strategic about. Have you not ta- actually tactical about this? Have you knocked on the door of all the bedding retailers in Australia, of all the hotel chains in Australia, of all the pillow manufacturers in Australia? So, of the sheet, you know, like yeah. So, so Tontine uh, gave us all our pillows and dunas and sheets and everything for our first bus. Um, and if I ask, they'll give it to me again. Um, so there's there's gifts in kind, which is great. Um, I approached some of the bigger bedding places because I thought great synergy. No, you know, what better charity than uh, to have sleep bus as your charity? And but I think I went I went too soon. So it was while I was building the bus, I was talking about it. It was an unknown thing. So, again, that's where it comes back to the media. Like mm. I've just got to show more people what we're doing, get more buzz about it. Then I think the, the phones will ring hotter and it'll be a lot easier. Even winning things, I mean, I'd go back to the Telstra thing, but that just helped because when I rang places, they go, oh, yeah, I heard of you, like your experience at Southland. Yeah, I've heard I donated yes. to Sleep Bus. I need more of that at this early stage because I am still very yes. New. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though we may not look at, yeah. No, mate. I reckon it's it's amazing what you've done. Given there's one bus there, and <laughs> yeah. you've what are you two years in? 
Uh, <coughs> yeah, from the time we launched our GoFundMe campaign. And, yeah, Brilliant. So, yeah. so well, it's, it's I look forward to having you back on. I hope. Now, what I want li- you to do right now is yeah, ask listeners to donate money, but is there one specific thing that that's big and audacious and scary for you to even ask for? Oh, it's not scary. It. I'll ask for it. That's not a problem. So, I mean, part of the um, – to be able to get that snowball to roll on top of media is that then once the media rolls and, and we get that um, snowball happening that we need, I need to be able to churn out more buses. And I can't build them in winter in my backyard like I did for this first one. So part of it was was looking for a, a site that we can – I will have a hard stand, a, a shipping container hard stand, and I'll build something on there if I need to. But I just need a somewhere close to Melbourne CBD um, that we can build buses, that we can reset them. Um, and uh, so the idea was to keep costs down was have one location, so obviously here in Victoria because that's where I'm based, where I can build all buses that we need. So we, we, our plan is to build 300 buses uh, and, and so launch them the around site. the country. What's the, what's the site? How big's the site? That you need. Oh look, beggars can't be choosers, but somewhere around a, a thousand square meters plus. But okay, it can be a anything. Of an acre. A piece of yeah, and and short of that, um, someone that will allow me to park the bus uh, in their yard during the day, so I can reset it and clean it and get some volunteers to come and help me with that. Not a lot to ask. I'm I'm pretty Mate, easy. But we'll, 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 I, I, I won't <laughs> say we will get that, but I hope we get that. Any real, real estate, estate agents, agents, yeah, real estate agents out there? How can yeah. they contact you, Simon? Uh, yeah, so they can just jump on the website. Everything's on the website. So there's contact us um, because. Sleep Bus is just me. It's just one person. Um, all emails, um, admin at, info at, accounts at, all that all comes to <laughs> me. So, yeah. <laughs> Sleepbus.org. Simon Rowe, thank you, buddy. Well done. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Well, there you go, team. Sleep Bus's Simon Rowe. What a story. If you know someone in Melbourne who can help Simon find that block of dirt he so desperately needs, then please do contact him via sleepbus.org. I've actually already got the wheels in motion on that, but um, many hands make light work, sleepbus.org. Coming up, I share my top three attention grabbers from that fireside chat with Simon. Plus, in this week's Monster Prize draw, another motivated listener shares a marketing idea they've picked up from this show and how it's positively impacted their business And be sure to hang around until the end of this episode when I take you back to a great old advertising jingle from 1988. I'll give you a hint. It's for shampoo. But no fast-forwarding, all right? Here's a money-making tip from American Express member and Four Pillars Gin founder, Stu Greger. I, for the life of me, don't understand why a business won't accept Amex because what you're potentially doing is knocking back customers who want to spend money on your product or your brand or your service or whatever it is. And I frankly don't understand it. If someone wants to give me their Amex and buy 10 bottles of gin, I'll tell you what, I'll take their Amex, thanks very much. You're potentially also denying yourself a big chunk of corporate business as well. You know, because a lot of sales guys, a lot of guys, I know me in my own business, I use Amex. And if I, get a, if I ring to make a booking at a restaurant or a bar or something, I say, do you accept Amex? and they say no, I go somewhere else. So they don't even know the business they're, they're missing out on. It beggars belief. And I often find myself having these com- rather awkward conversations at the <laughs> with with a shopkeeper or a, or a bar owner or a restaurateur saying, why wouldn't you take it? I'll pay you the extra. I'll pay one and a half. Oh, the credit card service fee or whatever you want. Take my money. It's business 101, really. Make it easy for people to give you money. Speaking of money... 
The American Express Business Explorer credit card comes with 50,000 bonus points every year, a low interest rate, and two points on every dollar you spend. Not to mention a couple of tickets to the very swish Amex Lounge at Sydney International Airport. Search Amex Business to find out more. New American Express card members only. Terms and conditions apply. Right, I'm a top three attention grabbers from that chat with Simon Rowe of Sleep Bus, thanks to American Express. Attention grabber number one. I love how Simon so clearly articulates the problem he's solving in two simple words, safe sleep. How clear are you on the problem you're solving for your precious tribe? If you think you've nailed it, then let me know. Leave a comment in the show notes over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 420. Attention grabber number two, Simon is also crystal clear on why he does what he does. The fact that he was homeless way back when he was 19 years old is clearly his motivation for putting everything he has into making Sleep Bus an absolute success. So it raises the question, how clear are you on why you do what you do? Attention grabber number three, I didn't love some of Simon's self-talk. Phrases like homelessness isn't sexy may be true. I don't think it is, but he says it is. But reinforcing them in his everyday speak may be damaging to his dream in the long run. So what negative things are you innocently saying to yourself and others that may be damaging the way you market that beautiful and precious business of yours? Now, I know I said I'd give you three attention grabbers. I'm going to give you Four. So attention grabber number four. Simon's hunger for media coverage is impressive. You wouldn't have seen this, of course, but he jumped at the chance for the interview. Then as he was leaving the studio after the interview, which was done in at the radio station 3AW, I introduced him to another of the on-air hosts. He very quickly pitched his story, and very succinctly, I might add, and secured another interview on a national radio show. It was genius. So what are you doing to secure some media attention for your business? That's what grabbed my attention. I'd love to hear from you. What grabbed yours? Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 420 is where you can tell me. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, yes, indeedly, doodly, it is that time of the week, the Small Business Big Marketing Monster Prize Draw, where we reward a motivated listener for taking action. You know the drill, but if you don't, if it's your first time around to enter, you've just got to email me, tim at timreed.com.au, telling me one idea you've implemented from listening to this show and what impact it's had on your business. If I read it on air, you'll receive a prize or two, and go into the draw to win a hot lap in a racing Porsche with past guest and racing car legend Steve Richards. That's valued at two and a half grand. Righto. Today's winner is... Johnny Leary from brookfieldpoultryequipment.com. And here's what Johnny has to tell us. He says, hey, Timbo. Hey, Johnny. Where do I start, mate? Probably at the beginning, Johnny. I've spent the past 12 years running my own building development company in Melbourne, and although I've slowly built up a property portfolio in that time, it's been a journey full of stress and cash flow issues, and I really needed a way out. 
I started listening to your podcast about five years ago on my way to Melbourne at five o'clock in the morning. Your interviews have inspired me so much that after every trip, I'd be excited about what the future could hold and your upbeat style and mantra to follow your passion kept ringing in my ears. I tried to somehow integrate your teachings into my building company, but my heart wasn't in it and it just didn't work. Oh, okay. I won't take the cop for that, Johnny, because I think you've got some good news ahead. He says, 12 months ago, I found a very dated and underdone old business, brookfieldpoultryequipment.com, which is in a niche. I'm very familiar and excited about it as I grew up on a farm and have kept chickens in the backyard most of my life. After a six-month negotiation, I took it over and have run it on the side since July last year. I love it when people buy underdone businesses and sort of improve the marketing and turn them into something special. Johnny goes on to say, then the floodgates could open. I scrapped the old website and set up a Shopify store. From there, I have worked on building a database and emailing useful content to them each week. Nice work, Johnny. I've started a blog and optimised them for SEO after listening to your interview with Rand Fishkin, one of which consistently gets me sales. One of those blog posts, obviously, that consistently gets him sales, now measurable through Shopify. And this year, I'm proud to say I'm leaving the building game for good and will go into the e-commerce world full-time. Wow, Johnny, impressive stuff, mate. I could go on and on about how you and your podcast have helped me, Timbo, but it's safe to say I have implemented a ton of ideas, and more importantly, because of your inspiration, I've completely transformed my life and am so excited about what the future holds as this literally doesn't feel like work. Cheers, buddy. Keep up the awesome work, Johnny Leary. Johnny, mate, you keep up the awesome work. That is a great story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for you for supporting my show. For that, you win a leather-bound exclusive orbit key from past guest Rex Quo, valued at 99 bucks, and a backlink on the Small Business Big Marketing website, which I understand is priceless. Thanks, Johnny. If anyone else listening has uh, an idea that they've implemented from listening to this show, email me, tim at timreed.com.au. I read it, you win. Now, given I cut my teeth for many years in Australia's largest advertising agency, this new segment may be a little self-indulgent. However, I do love the old advertising jingles, and I'm hoping you do too. Hearing them personally takes me back to a more innocent, playful time. Plus, the art of the jingle seems to have been lost these days as TV and radio advertising takes a back seat to online ads. So sit back and get all nostalgic as we pause for a commercial break. Yeah. 
new Decore, the family shampoo. I love that ad. I always found it a bit naughty too, especially given what the young lady was doing with the shampoo bottle at around the 20-second mark. You can watch it at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 420. Well, I hope you found today's episode motivating. A little different to the usual chat, wasn't it? If you'd like to explore and be motivated by others who've gone down the charity route, then you'll love my chat with Nick and Lucas, who started Orange Sky Laundry, a charity that washes homeless people's clothes. In fact, after that interview, I went out on the road with them and recorded a second episode in which I hung out with some of their homeless friends to get their side of the story. You can find both those episodes, plus hundreds more, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com or you can subscribe free on your favourite podcast app. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. Hit the contact button over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com where you can email me, connect with me on social media, or grab a signed copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, which is in reprint as we speak. A big thanks to American Express for sponsoring this episode. Search Amex Business to find out how your business expenses can reward you. And if you love the Small Business Big Marketing Show, then let another business owner know about it by grabbing their phone, opening the podcast app, searching Small Business Big Marketing, downloading it for them, handing it back, saying you're welcome, and do that once a week for the next 52 weeks. I love you forever. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reid. Thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.